Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, guys, good morning. How many of you were here last week? All right, we started Don't Stop Short, and really the principle behind it was not to stop short before you receive the promises that God wants you to receive. And it was my hope and my prayer that for many of you, you decided to take another lap last week. How many of you decided to take another lap around an area of your life that you've just been going around and going around? And and this is the thing. We talked about this last week is that you could be on your last lap and not even know it if you quit. You, you can miss out on the blessings that God has for you if you stop short. And it's my hope and my prayer that none of us would, would, would miss out on the blessings that God has for us. But we would continue. We, we'd keep moving. Because the truth is, you have come way too far to give up now. You've come too far in your marriage to throw in the towel. You've come too far in your health to just walk away from it. You've come too far in your walk with God to just turn your back on him and, and, and walk away. So our, our plan in this series is to take a look at a verse and really dive into it found in Hebrews. And you'll remember this from last week. It, it says this, Hebrews 10.36, you need to persevere. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, you quit too quickly. Like, you don't lose 10 pounds in the first week, so you quit going. You know, you, you, you don't feel like an Olympic athlete after running two different times, so you quit running. He says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I don't know, but I know more and more people that it seems like the longer you've been walking with God, you become a lot less impressed with people who have the faith to start something. And it becomes a lot more impressive when you meet people who actually have the fortitude to finish something, who, who have the, the strength to keep on going, to not quit, to, to persevere, to keep on moving. That's why I am so thankful I have people in my life who have modeled for me perseverance. My parents coming up on 40 years being married together. That is incredible. That's something that, like, you hear people all the time, like, I've been married 40 years. Well, it's the three different people, but still, it's like... No, this is different. They, they've decided to stick it out. And, and, and I love when you see people who, who decide, you know what, I'm going to keep on going on. I'm not, I'm not just going to say I've got the, the, the faith or the strength to start, start something. I want to continue on to see this work completed and finished. I want to be like that. So last week we talked about don't stop short on the promises that God wants you to receive. But today, this week, we're saying don't stop short. Part two is of the purpose that God wants to fulfill in your life. Don't stop short of the purpose that God wants you to fulfill. So what I want to do today is I want to look at a story in Acts chapter 27. So I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to Acts 27. We're going to be looking at a Bible hero, a man by the name of Paul. And many of you, you're familiar with his writings. He, he wrote... Uh, 
almost two-thirds of, the, of what we call the New Testament, the letters to churches, the letters to leaders in churches. You, you've read a lot of his writings, but today in Acts, we're going to be seeing a writing uh, that, that was recorded by Luke, and Luke is writing about some stuff that takes place in Paul's life. Because sometimes you can, you can read someone's writings, but if you don't understand where it came from, if you don't understand the struggle and the battle and the pain that a person was going through when they write these writings, that you might miss the whole concept. You might miss the, the, the idea of what's actually taking place here. And we see that Paul, he went through some difficulties. Paul went through some disappointments. In fact, for him to be able to write about the deepness of the riches, the love of Jesus, he had to go through some pain. He had to go through some disappointment. In fact, anytime you meet someone who has great spiritual strength, uh, I, you could bet that they, it was born out of some sorrow. That person's gone through some pain. And we see that Paul is in some trouble when we catch up with him in Acts chapter 27. He's in trouble and he's in a transition. And in fact, there's people in this room that you might consider yourself in one of those places. You might be in a, in a place of transition in your life. You, you're coming out of one stage, going into another. You're moving from one place to another, going from one job to another. Uh, or, or maybe you're here today and you find yourself in trouble. Well, there's good news for you. Is we see that anytime someone's in trouble or in transition, that can be a place where God does some of his most transformative work in your life. And we see that unfold here in Paul's life in, in this chapter where he's in trouble and he's in a transition. He's on his way on a ship headed to Rome. But this isn't, this isn't a cruise ship. He's not sitting back on Royal Caribbean and enjoying himself. And he's, he's not going to Rome because it's something he always dreamed of. Like, I just want to go there and walk the vineyards and taste the wine someday. No, we see that Paul is headed to Rome as a prisoner on a ship with 275 other people because he's on his way to stand trial before Caesar. And he's not kicking back, relaxing. He's chained, and he's in some of the most barbaric conditions that you and I could even imagine. And we catch up with him here that not, not only is it bad enough that he's a prisoner on a ship, but we see that he comes across some difficulties and some circumstances that they weren't even his fault. You know, sometimes we bring trouble upon ourselves, and we know it was our fault. We know I did this, but he finds himself in more and more difficult situations, and none of this is even his fault. And that's where we're going to catch up in this story in Acts chapter 27. But I don't want to dive into this until we first talk to God today because I believe it's no accident that you're here today. I believe God wants to speak to you individually and we just need to invite him to do so. So let's talk to him uh, together right now. Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for every person in this room. Thank you that we can come before you and read your word and that you speak to us, that you still speak to us today. So God, I pray right now that you would get me out of the way. I believe it's no accident that the men and women that are in this room are here today. I believe you want to talk to us individually. So God, uh, I pray that you change us, that you convict us, you'd help us today, encourage us today, give us new hope today to not stop short. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today we're talking about having a spirit of faith and perseverance to believe God's purposes in your life will happen. Don't stop short on his purposes. Acts 27 verse 9 says, Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. That means, as we know, that it's now the fall. It's heading towards winter. So conditions aren't ideal. And rarely 
in our lives, our conditions ever ideal. But we see it says, so Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo into our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. I read that and I think, well, obviously, right? Obviously, because if you're the centurion, if you're in charge of getting a group of men um, to Rome to stand trial before Caesar, you have the responsibility to get them there, and, and you've got a couple different people telling you what you should do. You've got the pilot and the owner of the ship who, who says, you know what, we can make it, it's going to be fine, uh, it, it looks a little scary right now, but we're going to be okay. And then you've got this preacher, who by the way is in chains, he's been arrested, okay, so the, the, the preacher who's in prison, who steps forward and says, um, excuse me, uh, sir, uh, I've, uh, I've been talking to God, I've been praying, and, and, and the Lord told me, or side note for a moment, people put some really funny stuff after the phrase, the Lord told me. Have you ever noticed that? You'll hear some crazy things, and it's like People use that as like the Christian trump card. Like if I say the Lord told me, then I can say whatever crazy thing I want to say next, and you can't say anything about it, right? Sorry, a little side note. I don't have any issues with that area right there. <laughs> I got sidetracked. But he says the Lord told me. And you, let's think about this for a minute because I, I could go with the owner of the ship who says we're going to be there, we're going to be fine. Or I could go with the guy who's in prison, who's, who's going to stand trial right now, who's like saying, hey, uh, excuse me, uh, I talked to God and God said this isn't going to go well. So it makes sense to me when the centurion goes, uh, yeah, we're not going to listen to you, Paul. We're going we're gonna to go with what the, the pilot of the ship's saying. We're going to go his direction. We're going to go ahead and take off towards Rome. But what's interesting about Paul is we see that Paul is... Just not some average, ordinary preacher who's been arrested. We see that Paul is actually on this ship because of God's purpose. Because it was God's purpose all along to get Paul to stand in front of Caesar and speak to Caesar. So this was God's plan for him to be on this ship. And though he was disregarded by the centurion, we see that Paul on this ship actually represents the voice of God. He represents God speaking to this group of men and trying to give them a warning and going, like, listen, guys, you shouldn't go right now. It's going to be disastrous if you go right now. And we, when we look at this, it can be kind of a metaphor for our own lives because we have a lot of different voices we listen to, right? Like the ship could be your own life. The ship is the direction you're headed. It's, it's where you're going in life. And, and for a lot of us, it's like we can either follow what makes sense to us or, or we can follow the word of God. And a lot of times the word of God doesn't necessarily make sense to us. And I wonder if you're honest, how often you face a decision, you need some direction in your life, and we start asking everyone else. We start looking at other opinions. What's the news say about this? You know, is there any reports on this? What do my parents say about this? You know, what do, what do my coworkers say about this? And it's like we listen to the advice and the opinions of so many other people, but we don't listen to the voice of God. Well, that's exactly what takes place on this ship. And it causes me to ask the question. I hope you'll write this question down and take it seriously today. This question, will I steer by my senses or will I steer by the Spirit? 
Am I going to steer by what makes sense to me, or am I going to steer by what God is saying to me? And see, every ship is being steered by something. Your life is being directed by something, and it comes down to this question. Are you going through life trying to calculate things and figure out, you know, what makes sense to you? Because for many of us, we're like the centurion, and I understand the centurion. It makes sense. Like the pilots who they've been, they've been captaining ships all over the place for their entire lives. They know all about this. They know about the weather. The owner of the ship, he's got an investment in this, so he would be making a very uh, conscious decision here. So it's like, this all makes really good sense to me. And then there's this thing over here where this man says God said something about it, and that doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to go with my senses. And the thing is, I wonder, are you steering your life by your senses? Because if everything you're doing makes sense, you're never going to grow in faith. Because a lot of times God will ask you to do things that, that really don't make any sense. When God told Joshua to march around Jericho, it didn't make any sense. When God told Moses, I want you to take your staff and put it in the Red Sea and part the Red Sea, that didn't make sense to anyone. I mean, these are things that are like, that, that's just crazy. When, when God told Daniel not to bow down before another God, to be able to just be thrown into the lion's den, that didn't make any sense. To the people around Daniel, to himself, when, when Jesus allowed himself to be hung on a cross for us, it didn't make any sense. You know, when, when the apostles decided that they would go undergo persecution and be killed simply by spreading the word of God, none of this stuff makes sense. See, are you living your life trying to make sense of it? Because if you're going through life and trying to make sense of everything God tells you to do, you're never going to grow in faith. If you stop short simply because something doesn't make sense, well, God, people are going to think I'm one of those fanatical Christians if I do that. That's going to cost me way too much. I can't, I can't figure that out. If you go through life trying to calculate things, you're not walking a life in faith. But really, faith looks more like we, we live by faith, not by sight. I'm going to trust not in doing the calculations myself, but I'm just going to trust the God who told me to do it. And, and in doing so, I believe he's going to do the math. You know, a statement I've heard many times and I hold on to is this. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. See, you don't have to understand what God's plan is to obey it. You don't have to understand how the math comes together. You don't have to understand what he's going to do in order to just obey what he tells us to do. And in this passage, we see a group of men who should have stopped. They should have listened to the warnings of God. But instead of listening to the warnings, the centurion goes, no, I'm going to go with my senses. I'm going to go with what feels right to me, with what I can make sense in my mind. And I'm not going to do what God told me to do. So I'm going to go ahead and go. And the Bible says then in verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. Okay, so it felt like, you know what, I, I, I can do this. I'm, I'm going to make it on my own right now. We're going to go for it. Here's our opportunity to move forward, to have progress. So, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore to Crete. And before very long, before very long, it doesn't say how long, but ignoring God's warnings, sailing into the wind, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island, and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. See, it felt at first like they were making progress. 
You know, and anytime you ignore God's warnings, it can feel like you're making progress. It can feel like you're moving forward. But, but the Bible says very clearly, what is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Because any progress that you have that goes against the warnings of God is really, truly leading you to, to disaster. So you could feel like you have progress. And like, yeah, you, you got a lot more money but, and that feels like progress, but if you had to cut corners to do it and now you can't even stand looking at yourself in the mirror, really what progress is that? It's like, yeah, you're, you're gaining a lot more material things, but if you're not even involving yourself in the things that matter to God, then when you look at it, like, it might feel like progress for a short period of time, but really, is it truly leading you to disaster? See, you're going with the wind, but, but when, when the wind is against God's warnings, then ultimately the wind is against you. So it says here that they were driven along, and I, I love this phrase because this, this phrase describes so many of us, you know, just going with the flow, that they've lost control, and it says, as we passed to the lee of a small island called Calda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard, then they passed ropes, under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbar of Syrtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. There's that phrase again, driven along, driven along. I wonder how many of us in this room today feel like this, feel like we're just being driven along. And I mean, if you're honest, I'm not gonna ask anyone to raise hands or here. You, you know this today, but how many of you would would just know deep down inside you feel like you're being driven along in life and you can think back to a time when you ignored one of God's warnings. You know, I could go through and I could mention some of the things that God would warn us from, but I don't need to do that because that's the Holy Spirit's job. And if you've ignored one of God's warnings, the Holy Spirit isn't coming to condemn you or, 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 or to make you feel bad or anything like that. He's just gently calling to you and encouraging you. And you might be sitting here today going, you know, I, I can remember a time when God told me not to do that. I can remember when he warned me I needed to get that out of my life. I remember when he warned me to stay away from this person or that person or this thing or that thing. And, and it's like now I feel like I'm just being driven along in life. I'm just, I'm going with the flow. It's like I, I feel like I have no control. I'm just kind of being pushed along. You see, the Holy Spirit then comes and starts to whisper into your ear and say, maybe you need to pay a little more attention in this area. Maybe there's this area that you need to get rid of, that thing you need to correct, and he gently starts giving us these warnings because God doesn't want to see your life in a disaster. He doesn't want to see your life break apart. But for these men, it says now they're, they're being driven along. And in verse 18, it says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. So now it's getting bad. Now it's getting really bad. They're getting rid of their stuff. And trust me, this is going to be an encouraging message, but first we have to go to this place where so many of us are in this room where we feel like, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm throwing this, if I could just get rid of this, if I could just try this, or if I could do that, so, uh, somehow I'm going to be able to survive, somehow I can make it through. I, I just got to find a way to hold it together. You're throwing stuff off, you're trying this, you're trying that. It says on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. Man, isn't that terrible when the storm just continues raging? 
You think it was difficult at first, but I've been dealing with this for so long now. It just kept raging. It says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And that's a profound statement. Because this shows that they moved beyond distress. Because at one point they were in distress. They, they were throwing stuff overboard. They were trying to tie the ship together. They, they, were, they were trying as hard as they could to save themselves. But they moved from distress now to a place of hopelessness. To, to a place of going, we, we lost all hope of being saved. In other words, it's just, this is just the way it is. I can't do anything about this. You know, this is just the way it is. I've, I've always had this addiction, so it's just the way it's going to be. You know, it's just the way it is. I've, I, I've always struggled in this area of my life. It's just the way it's going to be. Or, or, or my marriage is just, we've always fought. We never really get along. I guess that's just the best it's ever going to be. My health has always been bad. I've always been overweight. Whatever it is, if you've gotten to a place where, where you, you've stopped trying and you've just got to this hopeless place of going, I feel like this is just what's going to happen. I'm just waiting for the, for the hammer to drop. I'm just waiting for it all to end right now. They're at this place of hopelessness. And it says, when neither sun nor stars appeared, Sometimes we, we go through life and we feel like we have at least some sort of direction to go, but it's like when you feel like you can't even see anymore, I, I don't even know how, how I'm going to accomplish these things that were once my dreams, they were once my goals, I, I once aspired to be this way, and I, I can't even see the way it could happen. It says at that point, we just gave up hope and we began drifting. I believe that there's some of you in here today, you feel like you're just drifting. You've been driven along and you're just, and you're sitting here going, I feel, that's me. It's like, it's like God is speaking to me right now. I, I, I know that this is where I am at. And for whatever reason I've ended up here, whether it was my own fault or not, I feel like the circumstances of my life have got me in such a bad place where I am just drifting along in life, just trying to survive. The good news here is the Bible says that after that they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up in front of them and began speaking to them. And I believe I, that I'm called today to stand up in front of you, if that's you, that you feel like you're just drifting along, and speak to you and offer you these words of encouragement that God gave, because it's so interesting what he says here. Now, God speaking through Paul says, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up in front of them and said, men, you should have taken my advice. That's, I didn't want to hear that. Like, wait a minute. Like, I, I'm looking for hope right now. Men, you should have taken my advice. That's like every woman's favorite verse in the Bible right there, right? I'm sorry, just kidding. But Paul's like, men, you should have taken my advice. You could have, you could have avoided all this disaster. You could have avoided all this pain from the past. But the truth is, you, you can't do anything about that now. He says, men, you should have taken my advice not to celebrate. You would have spared yourselves this damage and this loss. Verse 22, but now, but now the Bible says, when God looks at their problem and says, you, sh you should have taken my advice, you shouldn't have got yourself into this trouble, you should have heeded my warnings, it's like a lot of us think then, then God's just mad at us. I'm just stuck in this situation. It's just the way it's gonna be. But the words of God, he says, but now, Right now, even though you got yourself in this mess, but now I can still fulfill my plans in your life. But now, even though you've lost that marriage, I can still fulfill my purpose in you. 
but now, even though you've gotten that diagnosis from the doctor, I can still do work in your life. This reminds me of Mary and Martha. How when Lazarus died, they came out and they were upset and Jesus was coming to the funeral. He's coming to the tomb. And they're saying, if you would have been here, we could have avoided some pain, but even now you can do work. Even now. Guys, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to not stopping on the, the purposes of God, we have got to take this attitude of going, I'm not going to drift along anymore. I'm not going to settle for disobedience anymore. But right now, the, the best time to do the right thing is right now. But now, God can still do something in my life. He says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Man, isn't that merciful? Like, yeah, but God, did you know the only reason I'm in this situation is because of my own stupid mistakes? I did this to myself. It was me who failed. And when we find ourselves there, we see the mercy of God, him reaching out to us and extending grace to us, going, yeah, I know you got yourself in this problem, but even now, I can still redeem you. Even now, I can still fulfill your dreams. Even now, I can renew your hope. But now, not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So you, you're going to be okay, but for the ship, for the boat, it's not looking too good for the boat. Let me ask you a question. Is that good news or bad news? I guess it depends on where your priority is in this situation. Because if your hope is in the boat, then, then when the boat sinks, your hopes sink. If your hope is in your boat, your circumstances, your plan for how you thought God was going to accomplish his work in your life, the hope is in your boat, your plan, your circumstances, then when it sinks, your hope sinks. But Paul is saying, I want you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. You're going to be fine. You know, the ship, we can talk about that later. And I wonder sometimes, is our hope too much in our plan for our own lives? In the way that we want God to do something? Is, is our hope so much in the way we always hoped it would be in our circumstances? You know, I always thought that they'd be there for me. I always thought that she was going to be there till the end. I always thought that, that, that I would have health. I always thought that my circumstances would be a certain way. I wonder, are you so focused on how you thought it would happen that you're missing how God wants to bring it about? We see here that now Paul, he's in this situation. He wants the men to start to understand, okay, it's not looking too good for the boat. It's like the way we hoped this would all work out, the way we hoped we get to Rome, that's not going to happen, but we need to keep up our courage. You know, which by the way, like Paul's got to be like, guys, I told you the boat was going to sink, but, but can I just say, like, I like the boat. You know, I would have preferred the boat. I, I, I would wanted everything to be easy. I, I don't want to swim, you know. I didn't want life to be difficult. I wanted this to be simple. But now we find ourselves in a difficult situation. And he stands up and says, Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. So glad our God stands beside us. You know, he goes before us and prepares a way for us. He, he goes behind us and redeems our past. But, he, but the Bible says he stands beside us to give us hope, to give us courage, to keep your courage up. So, like, yeah, your boat might be sinking today, 
but you got to keep your courage up. And your finances might be going down today, but you got to keep your courage up. Students, your grades might be going down today. Or parents, your kids' grades might be going down today. But keep your courage up. Because sometimes the only thing we can control in life is our courage. It's like, you know, I can't control my circumstances, but I can control having courage in it. And some of you lost your courage today. And the reason why is because all along your hope was in the boat. Your hope was in your plan. Sometimes our boat needs to break apart so that God can help us float our hope back to the surface. And the Bible says, he said, do not be afraid, Paul. This is the angel speaking to him. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sell with you. So keep up your courage, fellows of church. Keep up your courage, men. Keep up your courage, women, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Just as he told me, not like I hoped it would happen, not like I dreamed it would happen, not like I wanted it to happen, but just as he told me, it will happen. God's purpose in your life will be fulfilled. We gotta remember that he hasn't left us when we go through difficult times. He hasn't left us when, when our boat sinks. You know that God doesn't need a boat to save you. You realize that I believe that's one of the reasons Jesus walked on the water in front of his disciples because they were scared and, and, and they were in the middle of the storm and they needed help. And he walked on the very thing that they were afraid of to show them, I don't need your boat to save you. I'm not subject to the things I've created. I'm not subject to your circumstances. God can save you from whatever situation you're in, even if it looks like something that's completely impossible to you. It's not impossible to God. He says, it will happen. It will happen that God will save you. But then he says, but nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Then it happens. In verse 41, we see, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. And the bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. Then the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners and prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. So it's like, Paul, thanks for saving our lives. Now we're going to kill you. Right? Things just keep getting worse with this guy. But it says, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying on their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to the land. And the rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the ship in this way. In this way, everyone reached land safely. I wonder, are you worshiping the way that you wanted God to do it? Are you worshiping the God who promised he would? And trusting that whatever way he wants to do it will be good enough. It will be better than what we imagine. Because the truth is, I mean, like, God makes the promises to us. I mean, he promised he would provide for you, but he didn't tell you how. You know, he, he promised that he would meet your needs and be there with you, but he didn't tell you that you were always going to feel like he was there with you. You know, he, he promised that, that he would meet your every need, but he didn't promise that you'd get, he'd give you everything that you want. Yeah, I came to tell you today that when it comes to God's purpose in your life, it will happen. 
It will happen. Some of you have been going through a storm and you've been thinking, you know what? There's no hope for me. There's no hope for me to come out of this addiction to fix my marriage. There's no hope for my health anymore. But if God started it, he's going to finish what he started in your life. And it might not look the way that you expected it to look. It might not feel the way that you expected it to feel. The boat might sink on the way, but what God said he's gonna do in you, he's gonna do. So I gotta tell you, there's a verse that I hold on to personally that I've heard had people teach to me over the years, and it's a verse, Philippians 1, 6, where, where Paul is speaking. He says, guys, no matter what the circumstance, you need to understand this, okay? Like, if whatever's going on in my life, if I'm having a good day or a bad day, if I'm having difficulties in my marriage, if I'm having difficulties with my kids, whatever it is, the Bible says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying, that God finishes what he starts. That, that if God started it, he's going to finish it. He, he's good at finishing what it starts. And this is what some of you need to hear today, is that you need to remember that it wasn't your idea. It wasn't you that started this. It was God who started this. And Paul, looking at his life, going, this wasn't my idea. I, it wasn't my idea to meet with Jesus. It wasn't my idea to go to Rome and meet in front of Caesar. It wasn't my idea to get on this ship. But I know since this is God's plan for my life, it's going to come. So I don't need to go through life scared. I don't need to go through life fighting everything. I can just go along with what God's telling me, even if it's scary, because I know he's going to complete it. There are those of you here today that God has given you some dreams. And God has given you some hopes. And God has called you out of a lifestyle. And, and it's a lifestyle you keep turning back to. And there are times where you're thinking, you know what? Am I just trying to do this on my own? And the answer is no. The Bible shows us that, that it's God who calls us to him. And you're here today because God is drawing you out of something. He has a plan for you. He has a pur purpose for you. The Bible says, for I know the, the, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to give you hope and a future, to prosper you, to give, for good and not to harm you. When we know that about our God, we can recognize that these things he started in our lives, he wants to finish in our lives. So the encouragement for you today is, you might find yourself swimming in the water right now, looking up at your boat going, my life must be over because I expected that I was gonna get there that way. But I think just like Paul, we need to look at our lives and go, you know what, I didn't want to go for a swim, but now that I'm in the water, I can trust God's in control and I'm going to start swimming. Whether I got a doggy paddle, whether I got a backstroke, if I just got a float there like a big fat guy, I'm going to get there because I trust that God is ultimately in control. So what I want to ask you to do today is just bow your head and close your eyes. And I know in this room, there's some of you that you're here today and you're going, man, I'm in a storm. I, I feel like I haven't heeded God's warnings. I feel like I've been fighting against them. He told me not to do that. He told me not to do this. And I've been just doing everything the opposite way that God would ask me to do it. And I've found myself shipwrecked now and I'm splashing around the water. I'm hurting. Like, like the whole plan for my life seems to be destroyed. I hope and I pray that in this moment you would recognize that all along in your life it's been God who has sustained you and got you to this place. 
that all along in your life it's been God who's been reaching out his hand to you, waiting for you to turn to him, waiting for you to ask him to rescue you, to be your God, to be your savior, to be your guide, because he has a purpose and he has a plan for you. And I believe just like we've seen in scripture when, when Peter fell into the water, he reached his hand up to Jesus and Jesus grabbed him, pulled him out of the mess that he was in, brought him back into right standing again. And for some of you today, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is whispering into you right now, that you need to be in right standing with God. So I want to pray a prayer today and I want to pray a salvation prayer and ask God to forgive us of our sins, to make him our, our, our master, our Lord, our savior. And in doing this, I want to encourage every person to repeat this prayer with me, even if you've done it before. So the people sitting around you won't feel left out. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. God, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm messed up. Please forgive me of my sins. Today, I make you the center of my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead so that I can have an eternal relationship with you and an eternal home in heaven. I need a new start today. And I pray that you would walk with me from here on. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, guys, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you're around a group of people who want to celebrate you with you and who want to encourage you. So tell someone that before you leave today. But let me pray over you before we dismiss. Thank you, God, that you have a purpose and a plan for our life. And even when it looks like our lives have been wrecked, we understand that you are in control. So God, our, our, our trust is not in the boat. Our trust is not in our circumstances and our plan. Our trust is in the God who said he would do it for us. So since you, God, have a plan for our lives, we lean into you and we want to be obedient to you. So help us to heed your warnings and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, you can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me if you haven't already done so. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And thank you, God, for that fact. I ask that you now be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time or if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or on the web at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.